Good morning, friends. Uh, I think most of you can relate to an experience that uh, I've had numerous times in my life, and that is uh, the experience of what it feels like uh, to be mistreated uh, by somebody, uh, to be unfairly criticized or, or falsely accused. Um, and sometimes in life, when that's happened to me, I've been partly to blame. Sometimes I've said something I shouldn't have said or done something I shouldn't have done, and, and uh, I've had to, by the grace of God, perhaps apologize. But sometimes even then, uh, people will continue to attack, uh, and, and that can hurt. It really does sting. Um, but then there's times when I know in my life, I, I feel I've searched my heart and I feel like, you know, I, I haven't done anything to deserve this. And, and I can begin to feel uh, a little sorry for myself and I have to go to God in prayer. Um, and it's easy for me to go into a dark place uh, at times like that and to become angry uh, and, and, and for a root of bitterness to grow inside of me. And so I don't understand why people uh, sometimes treat me this way or treat other people this way. Uh, maybe they're threatened by us. Uh, maybe they question our motives or our integrity. Um, sometimes people, when they don't trust us, uh, they will uh, try to tear down our uh, reputation and besmirch uh, our name and that sort of thing. And, and so how do we deal with that when that happens, when people uh, attack us, when people persecute us? Well, uh, as you've probably heard, uh, there are some politicians whose philosophy is, uh, if they hit me, I hit them back twice as hard. It's kind of like eye for eye, tooth for tooth, except it's like twice as bad. And uh, there's always that sense that, you know, we should defend ourselves, even as Christians. And if you're watching this and you're a Christian, uh, that we feel like even as a Christian, yeah, I should turn the other cheek, but I have a right to defend myself. And, and otherwise, the other person might think I'm weak or, or that I'm, a, I'm afraid. And they might take advantage of me or even of other people. Um, and they might get away with murder, so to speak. Well, um, I think it is good for us to defend the truth when we can. Uh, and I think it is good for us to uh, try to reach out to the person um, who's persecuting us. And because maybe we could turn an enemy uh, into a friend. Who knows what God might do if we reach out uh, outside of ourselves and reach out to the other person. So what is it that we're supposed to do when we feel we're being treated unfairly? And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, you know that a couple of months or so ago, we heard about the, uh, the George Floyd killing where he was uh, murdered at the hands of uh, law enforcement. And this raised the specter once again, uh, again, of systemic uh, racism. And it brought the Black Lives Matter movement back into uh, the forefront of our social conversation. Um, and it, it really reminded me of the civil rights marches back in the 1950s and 1960s that were led by Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Um, and his approach to this, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., his approach was um, pacifism, really, was uh, nonviolent, uh, peaceful demonstrations in the face of injustice. Uh, the civil rights marches were characterized by, uh, you know, African Americans being beaten, um, sometimes being uh, fire hosed with high pressure hoses. Uh, sometimes they were lynched 
Um, racists often threw rocks and, you know, with notes attached to them through their windows of their offices and their homes. Uh, there, was, there were death threats, uh, KKK and all of that. And there was a lot of injustice and they were fighting against that. They were fighting against segregation. And so the philosophy of Martin Luther King Jr. was this. He said basically that we will not strike a blow, but we will receive them. And the idea was that he was saying was that through our pain, uh, we will make them see their injustice. And the reason that he was able to lead that way and not use violence uh, was because he believed this quote, and he did not originate this quote, and no one really knows who to attribute it to, but it goes like this. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And if you don't remember anything else from this sermon, I hope that you'll remember this, is that God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. I want to encourage you today, leave room for God. Uh, God allows people, mean people, nasty people, vicious people to come into our lives to test our resolve, to test our faith, our character, uh, to test our love. Um, and you know the kind of people I'm referring to. You know, maybe it's that person at the office, that malevolent person at the office who uh, just is always up to no good and standing in judgment on everyone around them. Or, or maybe it's that family member who's always, uh, uh, you know, putting, putting you down or criticizing you and, and, and never giving you any credit for anything. Or it could, or it could be uh, uh, that bully uh, at school who waits outside the schoolyard uh, to torment you and to, to mistreat you. Uh, or it could be a person at church and that's really unfortunate when it happens in the church. But sometimes the people who are most vicious to us are religious people. And Jesus found that. And the Apostle Paul found that. And the prophets of the Old Testament found that. So what are you going to do in the face of unjust uh, treatment and criticism? Well, if you're like me, uh, and you probably are, you want to hit back. You want to uh, give them a taste of their own medicine. The fact is we cannot go through life uh, without experiencing uh, violence in all of its forms, wh whether it's uh, physical, whether it's verbal, whether it's emotional abuse. Um, and it's especially difficult if you're in a position of leadership. If you're like a boss, uh, a principal of a school, if you're a pastor, if you're a politician, uh, you're really a target for criticism and for personal attacks. Um, and I've experienced that in almost 45 years of ministry. Um, I realize I've got a, a bullseye on my back. And so I, I thank the Lord for it, though, because it, it, it has tested my faith. Um, it's tested and deepened my character. And I've had to learn how to apply Scripture to my life in those times, and I'm going to share some of that with you today. But the thing I want to challenge you with is to leave room for God. 
Now, I want us to look at a character in the Bible that we looked at for the last two Sundays, one of my favorites, and that is David, the same David who slew Goliath and eventually became the king of Israel. Um, The background behind this is that David uh, was anointed and chosen to be the new king after King Saul. King Saul was getting older. David was a young man. Uh, Saul, uh, God had rejected Saul as king because he was disobedient. To God and would not follow God's instructions. And so God told Saul that he would be replaced. And it says the Spirit of God left Saul. And Saul really, in a sense, began to kind of lose his mind. He became really, really paranoid, particularly of David. And he began to persecute David. He wanted to kill David. And, and David began to flee for his life, uh, along with 600 soldiers who were loyal to him. And David had a hideout in the desert. And they were living in caves and, and that sort of thing, uh, fleeing from this man who wanted to get rid of him. And here's what it tells us in the Bible, and I want to turn your attention uh, to a beautiful passage in 1 Samuel chapter 23. And just that, that chapter, 1 Samuel 23, maybe you could just hold it open in front of you and just follow along. Um, but in, in, in verses uh, 1 through 4, it tells us that, that David uh, was in this cave with his men, and way back deep in the cave, and Saul came in because uh, he needed to use the facilities. Uh, he needed to relieve himself, and Saul did not know they were there. And so David's men said, David, this is your opportunity. God has put this man, your enemy, into your hands so you can kill him now. And they were encouraging David to go ahead. And so David took his knife or his sword and he began to cut away at Saul's garment because, you know, Saul disrobed to do his business and David just cut away at it. And um, this is what it tells us in verses 5 to 7. It says that after David had done this, it says that he was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And this is what David says about Saul. It says this in verse 6, he is the anointed of the Lord. And then with these words, David rebuked his men for encouraging him to kill his enemy. And I want you to notice how David addresses Saul here. He calls him, and you're going to see this in the next few verses, verses 8 to 11. He calls Saul, uh, first of all, it tells us that he bowed down to Saul. So David, after Saul did his business, uh, and he's going to leave with his men to go in search of David, David comes out of the cave, and he, he basically says to Saul, Saul, here I am. Um, And it says that David bowed down and prostrated himself before Saul. And he calls Saul, my Lord and King. He says, David, uh, it says, called him my master. He calls him the Lord's anointed. He even refers to Saul as my father. David uses these uh, terms of respect when he's talking to Saul from a distance. Um, And so David, in this passage in verses 8 to 15, uh, he makes at least two points in his speech to Saul. He's saying, Saul, you're coming after me. But he said, I've not done anything to deserve this treatment. And he said, you're trying to harm me and to destroy me, but here, look at this piece of garment that I cut away. I could have killed you. I didn't do it. Why do you think now that I'm still trying to hurt you or 
to take you down from your throne. And so uh, David said this in verse 12. He said, may the Lord judge between you and me, Saul. And that's just a Hebrew idiom that means God knows your heart and he knows my heart. And God knows the truth, Saul, and he will judge between us. Um, And the other thing that David said was, Saul, my fate is in God's hands. Um, If he is pleased with me, he will deliver me. And so David knew what I said to you earlier in the sermon, that God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And so I want to encourage you to follow this example of David if you're being mistreated, persecuted, or wrongly accused or criticized. Leave room for God. Um, David and Saul uh, were a contrast in character. Uh, Saul was a man um, who, uh, he was basically a people pleaser. Uh, he, he had trouble taking leadership and following uh, God's will. Uh, he was often afraid of what people would think. And so he often did not do what God wanted him to do. But the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart because he would do everything God wanted him to do. And so God loved David, because David, David was a man who trusted God. Um, he was a man of faith, as I said in last week's sermon. He was a man of humility. He was a man of courage, and he was a man of wisdom. He was a man of God. So David was convinced that his life was in God's hands, that God was sovereign. And David knew that as long as he kept his integrity, that God would be with him. And so David didn't take matters into his own hand, even though he was encouraged by his men to do so. Uh, David understood the timing of God, and so he knew that God would act on his behalf, and all he had to do was leave room for God. And so as David is talking to Saul, standing at the mouth of the cave, Saul himself uh, begins to have a change of heart. Well, we'll find out if you keep reading in 1 Samuel 24 and 25 and 26, those chapters, uh, that Saul, uh, he really was not right in his mind and he kept uh, being paranoid. And uh, even though he said, David, uh, you are more righteous than I. He said, you've treated me well, but I have treated you badly. He says that to David, and that's found uh, in verse 17. Saul now knows that this man he's persecuting, uh, that he's suspicious of, that he doesn't trust, that this man David is a better man than he. He said, David, you are more righteous than I. Um, Why are you treating me so well when I've treated you so poorly? And so, uh, isn't that beautiful, uh, how God works in the hearts of people? Um, and so it reminds me of a passage in James 2.13. You know, here's David um, uh, where he had Saul right in the palm of his hand. He, he cut away at his garment. He could have killed Saul right there, and he could have assumed the throne of Israel right there. He didn't do it. He extended mercy to Saul, um, and he left it in God's hands. And I love what it says in James 2.13, is mercy triumphs over judgment. You see, mercy is more powerful than revenge. Um, And and I heard this saying years ago, the best revenge is to live well. Saul's looking into the heart of David from a distance, and he goes, you are more righteous than I. 
He knew in that moment that he was face to face with a man who stood head and shoulders above him. And so what do we learn from David's story? Well, we learn this, that God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. His timing. Wait for the Lord to bring you justice, to be your defender. Leave room for God. Um, And I just want to say this to those of you who who may be perplexed because you're like, you know, um, I don't understand why this is happening in my life. I don't understand why God is allowing these people who mistreat me this way and, and make my life difficult. Why is God doing this? Why doesn't God just remove them? It's because God is using these people to teach you about trust and about humility. And I mean that. And maybe he doesn't want to remove them because there's lessons he wants to teach you. And he wants you to deepen your character and teach you humility and wisdom. Um, So I want to ask you, who do you relate to in this story? I hope the person, um, I hope it's not Saul. Um, You know, maybe you're like Saul. Maybe Maybe you're the persecutor. I hope you're not. Uh, Maybe you're the person who's fault-finding and always criticizing and standing in judgment on others. You're holier-than-thou, self-righteous, sanctimonious. Um, I just want to tell you, God loves you. He does. He loves you. But he doesn't want you to remain that kind of a person. He wants to transform you. And he wants to make you a person of peace. He wants to humble you. Um, or maybe you're like David's men. You know, here they were in the cave with David, and they saw this opportunity for David to take justice into his own hands. And they're saying, David, this is your chance. Strike at your enemy. And, you know, they were prepared to run ahead of God and to read into this situation that God had now brought Saul into David's hands. And that isn't what was going on at all. David knew better. Uh, I mentioned the other week that David um, had learned humility and wisdom through many, many years uh, where he was tested. Um, And he learned the ways of God. And he learned that just because there's a door of opportunity opened before us, it doesn't mean we're supposed to walk through that door. Maybe the Lord wants to do something else. Maybe the Lord is saying, wait. Um, Maybe in this story you relate to David. Um, And I want to ask you right now, are you feeling mistreated? Uh, Do you feel that you've been persecuted, that you're being unfairly criticized or falsely accused? Um, If you are, I'm sure you're hurting. But I want to tell you, go to this story of David. Um, And there's other passages of Scripture uh, that could teach you about the proper way to respond in a time like this, the way David did. Uh, Maybe there's somebody at work who's mistreating you. Um, Would you wait on the Lord and leave room for God? Maybe there's someone in your family uh, who's doing that to you, or someone at school or at university. Would you wait for the Lord and leave room for God? Uh, Or maybe it's somebody at church. It's the same thing. Uh, Would you wait for the Lord and leave room for God? Because God does act on behalf of those who wait. 
Um, I love Psalm 27. And Psalm 27 uh, is a psalm that many scholars believe David wrote when he was fleeing from King Saul. And it says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, I will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. David could write those words because he had experienced them. But then at the very end of that psalm, Psalm 27, this is what David says. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. And that's the title of today's message. I want to encourage you to wait for the Lord and leave room for God. Because then you will learn by experience that God is faithful, that He is faithful, and that He does act on behalf of those who wait. And He will bring you justice and vindicate you in His own time. I believe that, and it's the way I try to live my life. You will also learn how to trust God. You will grow deeper, and you will learn to wait on the Lord if you leave room for Him. Your, your faith in God will deepen because you're going to see His faithfulness demonstrated if you leave room for Him. And then you will become the person that God destined you to be because you can't take this approach of waiting for God um, and trusting Him without growing deeper in your character and becoming more and more like your God. Um, and in the end, I guarantee you will be vindicated. The truth will be known. That which is hidden in darkness will be brought into the light. God knows. Your Father who sees what is, in, uh, sees what is done in secret, He knows. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives. He knows the truth. Would you just wait and let him be your defender? Because you will be vindicated either in this life or in the next. Well, this is not an isolated uh, approach to suffering and mistreatment, uh, the story of David. Uh, we find it taught over and over in the New Testament. And I just want to quote these scriptures to you. You know where Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 44, he said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In Luke chapter 6, he says things like, bless those who curse you and do good to those who mistreat you. In Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 17, the apostle Paul picks up on this theme of Jesus about loving our enemies and so on. And he says, uh, do not return evil for evil. Be careful to do what is in, right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And so, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, 
Give him something to drink, and in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, it's what Martin Luther King knew and said. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it always bends towards justice. You just have to be patient. And so, there's nobody who demonstrated this more than Jesus himself, where it says in Philippians chapter 2, to us, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. He was in heaven. He was God. He left his throne in heaven, came to earth, took on a human body, became a, a man, became a servant of humanity, and he suffered, and he died on a cross. And then God exalted him. He was vindicated in the end when he was raised from the dead. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And so today I want to close in prayer and I want to invite you to wait for the Lord and to leave room for God to act on your behalf. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for the example of David. And I thank you especially for the example of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you vindicate those and you bring justice to those who wait for the Lord. And I thank you, Father, today for those who are listening and watching this. And I pray, Lord, for those who are going through a difficult time, feeling mistreated, feeling misunderstood, feeling persecuted. And if you're watching this or listening to this today, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And I'd like you to say these words. Lord, I thank you that the ark of the moral universe bends towards justice. That it is yours to avenge. That you will repay in the end. That you will balance the scales of justice. That at the end of the day, and on that day, when we stand before you, the truth will be known. That which is hidden in darkness will be brought into the light. Thank you, Father. I will trust in you, Father. I pray for this person or these people who attack me, criticize me, and falsely accuse me. I pray that you would give them a change of heart. And I pray that you would teach me to be patient and show me, Lord, if there's a way I can reach out to them. And so as I close... And we're still in prayer. 
I want you to do this this week. Every day, would you say, Lord, I will wait for you. I will leave room for you. I'm going to trust in your sovereignty. I will wait for the Lord. Second thing I want you to do is live a life of integrity. Live a righteous life so that you will know that the things that you're accused of or the suspicions that people might have of you are not true. And you'll know that you have nothing to hide. So wait for the Lord. Live a life of integrity. Then I want you to do this. I want you to bless your adversary. Be kind to your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for them. And then the fourth thing is, I want you to find a way to reach out if you can. As the Bible says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, find a way to reach out. Um, And maybe you can reason with them and perhaps win them over and turn an enemy into a friend. God acts on behalf of those who wait. And so I encourage you, leave room for God. God bless you all.